Hello and welcome to my podcast, Conversations with Cornelius, where I, Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan, discuss, chat and hypothesize on all things from fatherhood, marriage, comedy and everything else in between. From time to time, there will be special guests, but mostly it's going to be me and some regular contributors, including my main squeeze, Noelle Patricia O'Sullivan, a.k.a. The Wife. So sit back, relax and enjoy Conversations with Cornelius! Hello, 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 hello. And welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by West Cork Beard Company. Christmas is all but upon us. But if you have left it too late, fear not. Get on to www.westcorkbeardcompany.ie and they will sort you out for the man in your life. Um, you're very welcome back to the podcast, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I'm in the John Hume War Room and it is 11.29 a.m. Sunday. 12th of December 2021. The morning outside my window is grey and cold, but it is a much, much cheerier picture than the scene that is inside my home right now. We are in full lockdown, ladies and gentlemen. COVID has hit and she has gone for the jugular. We all have the cunt. Now, some people really get offended by that word. Cunt. And uh, it certainly is a powerful tool. There's no two ways about that. And when it's used correctly, it can make... It can make one laugh. Or it could make someone cry. (coughs) Excuse me. Anyway, it has a myriad of other emotions in its spring when it ha- when it's unleashed. So it is a divisive word, and I don't say it lightly anymore. But I shall never remove it from my arsenal. <laughs> sure, I'm Irish. We're all Irish. Irish. I'm Irish, right? Cunt is the potato of the vocabulary world that I grew up in. And if you're a listener to this podcast, then you will know my thoughts on programming and how difficult it is to change without a concerted effort. So if you've been saying, you know, cunt, or if you've been listening to the word cunt since you, uh, you know, since you were knee high to a grasshopper and it's used as a verb and it's used as a term of endearment and it's used as a vitriolic, horrible attacking word, then... All of a sudden, it's ingrained in you, and it's um, it's difficult to eradicate, you know. Uh, but being aware of its power, I think, is is necessary. So yeah. Anyway, what a fucking digression. The cunting coronavirus has infected this a double vaccinated house, and she is leaving her mark, ladies and gentlemen. Today, today, we were supposed to be celebrating 
our five-year-old boy Harvey John O'Sullivan's fifth birthday you know but instead we are all wiped out heavy I'm fucking heavy at the best of times you know but heavy body my head my but my like my body's just weighed down with sickness and my mind weighed down with sorrow <coughs> just take a little sip of my sparkling water ladies and gentlemen quench the scratch at the back of the throat the queen and hunter definitely have it worse than i do anyway i kind of i kind of liken my version of covid to um to uh to a mercurial ga corner forward you know lazy <laughs> very manageable easy to mark for most of the game and then bang when you least expect it the slitter is pinged to the back of the net and you're down two points and going into injury time deadly and devastating if you take your eye off the cunt <laughs> for a second <coughs> i've no smell i can't smell at all <laughs> you could be in here now farting and i'd be like how are you getting on uh I have a general feeling of being unwell, just like, I'm just, just, it's so fucking, it's kind of a different, it's a, like, I've obviously never had COVID before, and, you know, I'm used to the traditional kind of chest infection, (laughs) Um, but this is weird, like, I'm getting bouts of tiredness, you know, you'd have a chest infection, you'd be, you'd get on with it, like, do you know what I mean, but with this, you can't, you're just fucked. (laughs) You know, but I have to say now, to be fair, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm not doing too bad, and I think, I think my routine is saving me. You know, if I'm being honest, like, let me. I'm, I'm in a, I'm in, I'm, I've been starting. I've been doing intermittent fasting uh, again, right? I've started to implement it again, and I'm in a rigid state of it for the last maybe seven or eight days i'm doing 16 18 hour fasts and i'm breaking them with celery juice organic celery juice so i'm giving my body which i think i'm now i had started this before i got covid as well you know so i was like i need to get my to get my fucking shit together and when i'm doing this i'm definitely in a better mental state of mind and i talked about that on a podcast before the mental benefits of fasting um but i'm also giving my body more time to fight this infection you know more uh, you know more effectively more efficiently like breaking the fast on the juice then is definitely helping the body in terms of nutrients and vitamins and as i fucking just mentioned there you know you have your health your mental health you know benefits too you know the the dopamine and the serotonin are all produced in the gut and or 90 percent of it are produced in the gut so it's so i'm in a battle i'm not saying i'm not in a battle but i definitely feel i have the edge and fucking lads weed (laughs) weed jesus christ almighty where would i be without this beautiful delicious mind saving healing plant from mother nature she is keeping me going i'm baked I'm baking my way through this, baby. Anyway, that's where I'm at this week. Warts and all. This is episode 51. And by Christ, I'm going to get to 52 before the year is out. If I have to do the last one on my deathbed, I'm going to do it. 
Why? Why? Because you have to do something. You have to do something, son. You gotta do something. You gotta have a dream. And I know that now. And it's a bit of a revelation <laughs> in some ways. Because um, if you don't have a why, I think you're just existing. You're just going through the motions. And I am done with existing. Done with going through the motions. I'm looking for reasons. I'm searching for meaning, Podcast Nation. <coughs> I'm fucking sick of just plodding with no ambition or no... And you don't have to be the most ambitious person in the world. I mean, I don't want... Like, I don't get up and go, I want to be the greatest human that has ever lived. No, I just want to be fucking better than I was yesterday. And have some sort of a small goal that may lead into a slightly larger goal. And then you'll get there to your end goal incrementally. And enjoy the journey. Anyway, I am on a lot of drugs. <laughs> I'm, th I'm, I'm medicating myself with, what are these called? Benlin day and night tablets. So there's like pseudoephrogen hydrochloride, which is the active ingredient in, um, in uh, meth. <laughs> so I'm method up to my ass here, and I'm fucking taking the edge off with a fucking bit of Mary Jane. Mary Jane Blige. Anyway, this week, lads, I'm going to fucking digress. That's me anyway. That's, that's basically where I'm at at the moment, you know. Uh, but uh, this week on the podcast, I'm going to regale you with a, with a true story. You know, it's going to be a true story, something that happened to me uh, a long time ago, how I became the very first person in the history of Ballyclaw GAA to captain the first ever competitive match in intermediate Gaelic football and never kick a ball in play in the process. <laughs> True story, guys. True story. So, um, yeah, strap in because it's, uh, it's a doozy. <laughs> I had to do. I, w I was taking some notes when I was uh, when I was preparing for this because, like, you, it's it's hard to remember everything off the top of your head. And um, like 2016, for example, right? Two that this all happened in 2016, and it doesn't seem that long ago, but it's like it's 15 years now. And I was definitely at my most destructive in 2006 did I say 2016 I'm talking about 2006 2006 obviously oh fucking hell I was heavy drinking I was gambling professionally and both are not complementary of each other let me assure you I can fucking guarantee that like my relationship with my fiance was in tatters I, I was a shit dad I was a, a shit friend, a shit son, a shit brother, shit, 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 shit. I was a shit show, ladies and gentlemen, and I know it. But I couldn't stop. I was unable to stop because I hadn't bottomed out yet. You know, anyone who's listened to this podcast will know that in the past, um, I used to play poker professionally. And back in 2006, I still thought that I had the skills to make it as a professional poker player. 
the reality was like I was definitely I I was I was a losing uh, overall I was a losing player because I like I would exaggerate my wins and I like seldom speak of my losses you know and uh, I'd convince myself you know I'd, I'd convince myself that I was making a living because you know you might win big one night but then you might lose small four nights in a row and then win big one night and lose and then when you add in life's expenses yeah no it was you know I was I was just on a spiral I was doing a bit of cocaine you know 2006 the party was like <laughs> the party was just ongoing like you know and it was never going to end it was never going to end the whole like and this is according to Bertie like Bertie in fact uh, and who was I to question it I and I hadn't seen a scarce day in my whole life up up until crash you know work was absolutely everywhere much to my dismay like I'm I'm a fucking dreamer Do you know I'm um, like a performer a comic a writer like I, f I, r I really find everyday life extremely hard to live in and um, like I mean I've worked normal jobs I have worked normal jobs but like a job to me was always doing as little as little as I could get away with for as much as they pay me. I'm not I'm not lazy. <laughs> okay, I'm a bit lazy. <laughs> but fuck you, I've got COVID. And I'm doing a podcast, so you know, fucking lay off a little. Like I said earlier, you have to have a why. And back then, the why for me was cards. Specifically poker. And uh, even more specifically... Texas Hold'em. You're gonna know when to hold them. Like when I was on form now, I was an excellent poker player. And I'm looking, I can say this looking back now, you know, without uh, being in, not without, I don't know if I'm explaining this, like I can look back and I can, I can, an, like I can analyze it coldly now. But I know that when I'm on form, when I was in the zone, I was an excellent poker player. I could fucking rub shoulders with the best and I would have no fear, you know. I've studied the game to a depth that it cause it has even surprised myself in the past, you know. I've just, I would have been extremely analytical of it, read an awful lot of books on it, played and practiced and, yeah. In Texas Hold'em, that's the fucking game, you know. And a lot of people would know that because that kind of, it kind of gripped Ireland by the throat in the early noughties. Texas is what most people would call it, like, you know. And it like it takes a minute to learn and a lifetime to master. That's the old saying. It takes a minute to learn and a lifetime to master. And it's a game of patience and practice and position and power and presentation and penises. <laughs> Not penises. Well, actually, yeah, like, it's, it's mostly men. It's mostly men. No, there are some women that play it all right, you know. But you need to be a good actor. You need to be... You need to be cool under pressure. Um, you definitely need to be logical. But you actually need to be emotional as well. You need to be able to have... And usually they don't go hand in hand. You know, it is a war and death is administered with glee you just fucking you like if you, you like there's no 
you you don't want to win you know death by a thousand a thousand cuts you want to fucking slit the throat and jump down on the neck it's like yeah as i said it's predominant it's predominantly played by men you know and occasionally this is when i was playing women would play too and uh, they were just as good and oftentimes better you know and i definitely think they had like a good a good female player would use um like sex appeal to their advantage you know flirting was like you like you could you could you could tilt a great player a woman a good woman could tilt a great player um with flirting you know was there luck involved cornelius yes there was luck involved of course there was luck involved but over time luck kind of balanced itself out you know but like um i suppose what's aggression would be aggression would be what is most rewarded to the poker player the aggressive player was was always the person or the persona that you'd want to adapt you know the only thing is if you were at a table of nine in a casino environment 90% of the players wanted to be the aggressor and the other 10% were the white meat and once that meat was divvied up between the pros of the game it became intense insane and fucking terrifyingly addictive there is not much out there that can match the adrenaline rush you experience when you look at your cards blink look at the table there's maybe three thousand euros on it Everyone has checked, and it's your move. Blink. You look once more at your cards. Blink. All in. You push your remaining cash in over the line. Once it crosses that line, you know it cannot come back to you. Unless you either win the hand or everyone falls. Blink. Fold, 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 fold. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Blink. You look at your cards one more time. It doesn't matter what they are now. The pot is yours. Blink. You fling them in the muck and the dealer puts them back into the pack. Blink. What you have, big guy? Someone says. One of the folders. I'm sorry. I can't remember. Blink. Then that moment is gone and a new hand is dealt all over again and a battle endures. Strap me in and inject that shit into my fucking veins. (sighs) 
In 2006, I was 29. I was empty. On the verge of a collapse. Like mentally now, I'm talking about mentally. Like physically, I wasn't great either. <laughs> I felt useless. Worthless. I considered all of the ways out of my misery. And as you all know, there are healthy ways and unhealthy ways. And sadly, there are permanent ways to deal with the mind when it turns sour on you. I chose unhealthy ways. Drink. Drugs. Gambling. Late nights. Parties in houses. I don't know how I got to. 3am whiskey conversations to complete strangers about how what I really wanted to do was comedy. Masturbating. Porn. Infidelity. I hung around with gamblers, degenerates and no openers. No openers? Maybe no hopers, Cornelius. And I fitted in to that world like a lady's hand in a leather glove. Sometimes now when I'm going to a gig, I'll see someone, right, that I used to play cards with. A a totally different lifetime ago. There's a guy I used to play with all the time. And I was kind of friends with him. His name was Tony. And I saw him outside the the courthouse. I was going to the Coco Club. This is about three years ago. Now this fella, Tony, right? He once slept on my couch for two months after his wife kicked him out for losing. (laughs) He lost a mortgage payment on a a late night Mexican... (laughs) Late night Mexican Division 2 football match. And according to Tony, it was a banker, like, yeah. <laughs> but he was, like, uh, one of the kindest people you could ever meet. And, uh, yeah, fuck it, if he was winning, he was so generous. Jesus. But, like, um, <laughs> just a stone-cold degenerate gambler, like. <laughs> and um, unable to hold a job and or a relationship. Yeah, yeah, it was so sad. But anyway... I remember anyway, I saw him passing the courthouse and I was like, hey Tony, how's it going, bye? And he looked up and he looked straight through me. He didn't even recognize me. He was still back in 2006. Mm. Ballyclaw, GAA, my club qualified for the intermediate football division for the first time in their reasonably average history in 2006. Our club was in its pomp. Pomposity! We had two, like, future All-Ireland senior footballs, f- footballers on our fucking team. Had a burp there, sorry. And a, and a, like a fucking bevy of brilliant, young, fifth, hungry sh- soldiers to, to fill up the, the rest of the squad. Like, wow, we'd a, oh, we'd, seriously, we had a great team. A solid keeper, tough defenders who could play ball, a brilliant centre-back who like would lead by example and kept all the team focused. Fucking two tall, 
very aggressive midfielders who were agile and could dictate a game. And five forwards who were capable on their day of being special and one forward, lads. One who would win everything the game has to offer at the highest, the very highest level nationally. A star. Not that he would have been made feel like a star in Ballyclaw, no. No, in Ballyclaw he would have been treated the same as anyone else. In fact, he probably would have had the piss taken out of him a little bit more, just to take him down a peg or two. As is the way in every dressing room, the length and breadth of the country. But what a fucking footballer Colm O'Neill was in 2006. YouTube him. Go onto YouTube and the mo- there's two Colm O'Neill's, famous Colm O'Neill's, who've played football for Cork. This, guy's th- this one is the more recent one. He played with Ballyclaw. And if you've, if you've never seen him in action, he is worth, he is worth a YouTube. And he was a star. And he was a star for us. And every team needs a star. Look at all the big football teams around the world right now. Ronaldo, Manchester United, Salah, Spurs, or Liverpool, <laughs> Salah, Spurs. I would love if Spurs bought Salah. <laughs> I would love it so much. Uh, Salomon Rondon, what about him? Another fucking star, Venezuelan Evertonian. I suppose you can't really put him in the same bracket as Salah and Ronaldo now. <laughs> but anyway, Cullum. Oh my God! Like he was—he was something that we have never had before in Ballyclaw, and I—I I don't think I'll ever see in my lifetime again. It would be just like he was just poetry, you know, a prolific scorer, hurling and football. He was equally good at both, you know. Some might say he was even better at hurling, but it was football that he—he he focused on. Teams would double mark Cullum, right? So you'd have two people on him. You might have one in front of him and one directly behind him. And that would always leave us with a free man out the pitch. But he would still be good enough. Even triple marked, he would be good enough to put up a big score. He was quite literally as good as two men. And in 2006, we had now levelled up to the nosebleed heights of intermediate football. This was a new test. This was our greatest test. Brian Cuthbert was our coach. Years later, Brian Cuthbert would manage at the very highest level. He became the Cork Senior Football Manager. And here he was, now building his portfolio. He must have seen potential in our club to take the job in the first place. He would have chose that. He wouldn't have just snapped at it. It was at it was the mo- at this point in time, it was the most exciting time in our club's history. And I was not a part of it. I played underage with all these lads. I won county finals and hurling and football when I was minor I, and it's like I, I did want to play I really did but I I couldn't lead the life I was leading and play football and if I did there'd be fucking no guarantee of having any involvement in games I hadn't played in years it would take a concerted effort of 
of, of diligence. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Even my most ardent supporters would be surprised if that if I if I started fucking if I dropped it all <laughs> to go back playing football. But I still harbour thoughts. You can still dream, guys. And when I was out with the lads, my childhood friends, the friends that you always go back to. And if I had enough vodka and Red Bull in me, I'd always make a case. I could be an option, lads. I could fucking make the difference. But I, deep down, I wasn't ever going to make the required effort. So I supported from the bank and I celebrated in the pub. And you know what? Still great. It was still fucking great. When you're from a small club like me, you know everybody at matches. You know all the players, the managers, the selectors, and the spectators. It's it's a cliche, like really, isn't it? But like GA definitely is a it's a fucking it's it's religious. It's a beautiful thing. Quintessential Irish thing, ting. <laughs> it's what it, it's it's what separates us from everyone else on this planet. Our native guttural games gives you identity, and for some, it becomes their entire ad- identity. And you know what I think? It's not a bad identity to adopt at all. If you're going in the old identity ad- <laughs> adopting game. <laughs> One March Saturday night in 2006 I was in the Macau Casino On the banks of the River Lee In Cork City Just another Saturday night With a small difference I was playing a tournament In the club's showpiece annual festival Now every type of character You can imagine was drawn to this event lads from across all across Ireland and the UK and there was even a few professional poker players who come in from America and you're like it had everything it had good players great players bad players lucky players tourists degenerates has-beens up-and-comers every kind of poker player was in this tournament 500 euro was the buy-in if you wanted to play this tournament you had to put up 500 euros I had won a ticket playing a 50 euro satellite which is basically you uh, play a little mini tournament where you pay 10% of the buy-in fee and then the accumulation is a first prize is a ticket sometimes there might be two tickets or three tickets depending on how many people bought in but anyway I had won a satellite I had got into the tournament for only 50 euros so i was getting a 450 euro discount so if i did place if i finished in the money i was going to make a tidy profit and it was a three-day tournament and there were over 300 people entered into it like holdem was like texas holdem was just massive globally at this stage every cunt was playing it (laughs) Call back. And, um, where was I now? 
Oh yeah, 300 people were entered it. I remember then the following, it started, oh yeah, it started on a Friday. The tournament started on a Friday at 9 o'clock. And the following Saturday, I was still in the tournament. And uh, we were down to like 50 players from the tree. Like it was over, most of the field had been eliminated at this stage. And we were coming down to the, the 50 and it was the top 20 that were getting paid to make the money. Um, first prize was about 8 grand, if I remember correctly. Around 8 grand. And I was fucking playing amazing. Oh my god, I was actually playing amazing. Um, I was at the table. I remember I was the chip leader at our table on the Saturday night. And um, I had a very strong image and I was dictating terms. There was only one other player and he was actually sitting right next to me on my left who had anywhere near my chips. And we were just kind of, we were kind of staying away from each other. But I was definitely the table captain and I was shoving my chips around like a leaf in a storm, nonchalantly, a Frenchman, ah, splash the putt. The smaller stacks on the table, they were looking to pick up stronger hands and they couldn't really risk a misplaced bluff and I knew that so I was taking advantage of these we- of their weakness and I was robbing a lot of blinds, playing a lot of pots and just scooping up all the weak money. And I remember there was a break in the tournament and I went to the jacks and as I was coming back from the toilet, my phone beeped. And um, I opened up uh, the text. It was a text. And it was from our centre-back, the club captain. And it simply read, Are you around in the morning for a match? Question mark. Are you around in the morning for a match? We'd just gone up intermediate. We had just won a playoff a couple of months back to qualify for it. We had won the North Cork, I think, maybe two years in a row. Our centre-back, he's also a good friend of mine, is texting me to see if I'm around for a match. I just text back, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, send. His response was immediate. Not a joke. We are short numbers. Are you around? Question mark. This has to be a piss take. The Hoover. That's the, the captain's name. The Hoover. As he was affectionately known back then. Was not in the habit of frivolity. <laughs> at all. And particularly when it came to football. Fucking hell. What a captain. A brilliant, brilliant captain. Like, led by example, always at training, and always trained to the max at training. And he's also my best friend. He was my best man at my wedding. We're tight. So, I just texted back and I said, fuck off, big nose. I'm still in the tournament here. Leave me alone. And again, he texted back almost straight away. I'm serious. Luigi said to text you. We're badly stuck. There's an injury crisis. Some lads are on holidays. And there was a wedding in the parish. Half the team are at the wedding. We'll be all out the field. I'm fucking dead serious. You're needed. Exclamation mark. Badly. 
exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Fuck. I sat down at my seat. At this stage now, my head is gone. You're needed. Badly. These are words that, these words are words that mean stuff to me. <laughs> it was the it's the first game of the year and the club's first ever intermediate level match in our history. Here is my chance to show what I can do. Yeah, I know I wasn't fit. But I know I'd also be corner forward. I could use my guile, my know-how. Just give me a ball in a yard of space. You know that song with the Sultan's a bang? This could be the start of the comeback. So I texted back. I said, um, get Luigi to text me. And if he says, he need, or something like, get Luigi to text me. And if he says, if he says uh, to come, I'll go. I was still a little bit unsure if this was a wind-up. But I knew if Luigi, and Luigi is the ma- Luigi was the, the manager of the team. His real name is Eugene. Okay? Everyone at our club has a nickname. My, my nickname is The Pheasant. <laughs> you know? But I knew that if Luigi was going to send me a text, then it would be real. Because you know? he's, he's the manager. He's not going to... You know, he, he can't take this thing lightly. Especially this is the first game of the year. Intermediate level. About five minutes, not even five minutes, about fucking two minutes later, a text comes in. Bring the gear, Connie. Match in Ballangiri, half eleven, to be in Ballangiri pitch for 10.30am. Full stop. No XX or smiley face. <laughs> As is the way when it with GAA. It's real fucking shit, lads. We don't have time for that kind of carry on. Oh my fucking god. It was like it was real. It was real. This was the universe giving me a chance. I could see it all before me now. Standing on the steps of Parky Cueve with my dad looking down from the stands, mouthing the words, I'm proud of you, son. And all the crowd jumping around as I lift the trophy high above my head. I could taste it. I could feel it. Check our bet. Check our bet. Sorry? Check our bet. The dealer asked. I was way with the fairies. <laughs> I'd been daydreaming about uh, playing football, the comeback, you know, filling a deep hole of sadness within me through a childhood ambition. Check our bet. I had a quick look at my cards. Two aces. That's the best opening hand you can have in Texas Hold'em, guys. Two aces. My head is all over the place. Raise. 
I say instinctively. And I splash the part with 9,000. That's three of the times the big blind. The guy sitting next to me was next to act, the guy on my left. He's the only guy on the table capable of denting my stack. He asked me to count my stack. How much you got, boy? Now, this is a cheap imitation tactic to try and get a tell. But I played his game. I was happy to play his game. And I showed him my stack. I have about uh, 45, maybe 50. As meek as I can sound without sounding like I'm trying to sound meek. Like I want him to push all his chips in here. I'm trying to feign weakness through my body language. And it worked. He pushed. And then he declared all in. And his entire stack went across the line and into play. Everyone folded into me. Without hesitation or even a second glance at my cards, I say, I call. And to his surprise and to everyone else at the table, I flip over my two aces. Except when I flip them over, one of the aces has turned into a two. I had misread my hand. Ace. Two. And not ace, ace. My hand was garbage. He broke out laughing and so did the rest of the table and he flipped over two queens, the third best starting hand in Texas. The dealer needed to deal five community cards and then we'd make the best hand from those cards, including our two. The first three cards, I can remember this so vividly, the first three cards turned over and they were queen to queen. He now had four queens, or as we call in Texas Hold'em, parlance, a poker of queens. He had four queens. It didn't matter what came next, I couldn't beat his hand. I had lost my concentration in a split second and misread my hand. And in one moment, after nearly fucking two days of steady, calculated, aggressive play, I was gone. Out. As far away from the money, and more importantly from the glory, as the first player who had been knocked out way back on Friday evening. blood drained out of my body and I got up to leave. I thanked the dealer and wished everyone well and I didn't mean a word of it, but I said it nonetheless. I was punch drunk as I left the building and made my way to the car where I sat for about 20 minutes in complete and utter devastation.
phone buzzed again. It was the Hoover. One word. Well. Dot dot dot. I texted back. I'll be there. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this week's podcast. This is a two-parter. I will be releasing the second part of this podcast, what happened from from there until the match the next day, next week. So please tune back in and find out what did happen. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support this year. I really appreciate it. If you're enjoying the podcast, um, let people know. And uh, maybe give me a review on iTunes. That really helps. Uh, thank you so much for all the recent reviews. A couple coming in there over the last few weeks. And I just want to say thank you so much. Um, the most recent one came in from a guy called Sully. And I think I know who that guy is. And, um, yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, stay in by the wall. Peace and love.